Peace be upon you. Welcome to Rational Religion, where we make sense of spirituality. Today, I'm here with my brother, Dahir Nasser, and we're going to be having a look at a conversation between Jordan Peterson and Constantine Kissin. In this um, in segment, he announces the title of his upcoming book, and he talks about religion in a very interesting way. It brought up a lot of issues. So let's, uh, let's take a look. And you have to say, well, let's give the devil his due. Every human organization tilts towards corruption by power. But that doesn't mean that's the central animating spirit. And so I would say, well, the same thing applies on the religious front. Like my sense is, and, and we can certainly discuss this, is that, and this is really useful to think about in relationship to Wilbur Wilberforce. So he was a Christian Protestant operating in, the, in, the, in Britain, and he, in many ways, single-handedly forced the British Empire to not only abandon slavery, but to oppose it on the world seas for 175 years. And he did that in 100% as a consequence of being animated by the, the spirit of Protestant liberalism. Mm. And that was a consequence of the dissemination and distribution of the Bible, because the idea was human beings are made in the image of God and slavery is wrong, period. That's a transcendent truth and economic rationale be damned, there's no excuse for it. And so, so I think the problem with the skepticism that you're expressing in relationship to the religious enterprise is that it doesn't sufficiently separate the wheat from the chaff. He's talking about how the animating spirit of religion uh, inspired William Wilberforce, um, which is probably true. Um, I probably slightly contest uh, the kind of sole hero narrative of, of Wilberforce doing everything. There are lots of um, slave revolts going on and it in many ways is becoming untenable, but that's not to take away from the abol uh, abolitionist movement, which was very powerful and in many ways kind of religiously inspired. So he talks about that and what he's getting to there, I guess, is um, the ideological motivation that religion can give you and how it's such a powerful force. And then Constantine comes in and says, look, I'm not saying religion is... Um, not uh, not something that's worth having. Not useful. It's, it's, yeah, it, it has its utility, but that's not to say it's necessarily true. Is that a fair summary of what we've seen so far? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah, so let, let, let's carry on and let, let's see where he's getting to now. I just don't wish to submit myself to a rigid, a rigid ideology of that kind, combined with the fact right. that well, I don't believe in the bigger the guy in the sky, right? Okay, so let's not make it, okay, so let's agree that you shouldn't subordinate yourself arbitrarily to a rigid structure. Now, you might want to do that sporadically to discipline yourself, mm. right? But the, the object shouldn't be sub submission. Now, the, what's weird in, in the biblical narrative, you know, is that the, the goal is not submission. It's so weird. It's covenantal relationship. And covenantal relationship is actually relationship. So one of the things you see with Moses, for example, and you also see this with Abraham, is that they're constantly negotiating with God. That's why my, the name of my next book, by the way, is We Who Wrestle With God. It's a negotiation. It's not a submission. And so God is always threatening to wipe out the Israelites in the desert. He's just sick and tired of their idol worship and their whiny resentment and their bitterness and their worship of the past tyranny. And he's constantly threatening just to wipe them out and start again. And that's the apocalypse, I suppose. And Moses is constantly interceding on their behalf and telling God he shouldn't break his word. And the odd thing in the story is that God actually listens, which is 
rather preposterous. But, but the reason that's happening is to mitigate against exactly the problem that you described, which is to have the relationship with the transcendent degenerate into nothing but a blind obedience. And then the danger of that is, well, a blind obedience to who? And yeah, I, Constantine says, I don't want to blindly submit to anything. So like, why don't you just deconstruct that? What is, what is that kind of attitude and the way he said so that? First, what does it tell you? So the first thing he said was that I don't want to sub submit to a rigid system. Yeah. And in addition to not being wanting to submit to a rigid system, I don't believe in the guy in the sky, the bearded man in the sky. Yeah. So what he's saying is that it's interesting the order he gave that in as well. Okay. <laughs> because... Ooh, very insightful. You should be the psychiatrist. <laughs> he gave. He actually gave his primary reason first, mm -hmm. which is actually his true reason. Mm. And then he gave his intellectual justification mm. that, he, that he derived yeah. from his lack of wanting to submit his desires to a higher power. So you're saying that's his true, that's his yeah, true reason? Yeah, so basically, he, he told, he's the one who told us. I'm yeah. not imposing this on him. Yeah. He's the one who said his first reason is he doesn't want to submit to a rigid discipline in life. Yeah. In other words, he wants to be free to exercise his desires as he wishes. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, uh, oh, and in addition, oh yeah, in addition, I, I'm a very intellectual person. I, I, you know, I believe intellectually that there's a very low chance of of, uh, of the bearded man in the sky. In other words, that there is a designer of the universe. Now, yeah. what what possible logical argument could you have to believe that there is not a designer to the universe? Hmm. I don't even know where to begin. Hmm. Um, well, yeah. we have about a million videos. We have, about, <laughs> we have so many videos. Have you heard this new one, Who Designed the Designer? <laughs> I think that was our third video, wasn't it, on national religion? So, I mean, we've got so much content. We're just talking about yeah. the evidence in nature, that nature and the universe and the laws and the constants of nature are just finely tuned. Yeah. That, to say that, oh, I don't, I, you know, to throw it away like that. I mean, we're not saying he should have watched all of our videos first, but there, there are reasons, of course. Atheists contest them. Uh, I guess he's, so you've very correctly pointed out his, his, uh, the kind of real motivation you can discern there is, uh, I don't want to constrain myself, right? Correct, yeah. And um, is that something that you've seen or encountered a lot in your discussions with atheists in general? Well, it, 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 well in general, it seems that people still talk to them. No, I, I mean, of course I do. You know, I've got, I've, I've got even people who I would count as good friends who are uh, nominally atheist, though I think that they are secretly not mm. sometimes, uh, or at least they are agno they're agnostic. You most know. atheists are actually agnostics. Most atheists, most people who call themselves atheists, they're actually what would be called agnostic atheists. Which they, they don't know, but they don't think so. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think that it's, it's very telling that people often become atheists in their later teenage years. Mm-hmm. Uh, where there's something that r goes around in their system called hormones. Or, have it, is, is it hormones? <laughs> yeah, hormones. Um, when they decide suddenly that <laughs> all those pesky rules about fornication are just, hmm. they're just unnecessary. And then they somehow come to the intellectual justification. Oh, I don't believe in a designer anymore. I mean, it's a book <laughs> that tells me not to, uh, you know, have that relationship with that girl. Yeah. Don't want to do it. So I think that it's telling that people have that reaction hmm. uh, in the later teenage years of becoming atheist, often at, at such an early stage that they, you know, they they couldn't possibly have investigated belief in God properly, yeah. actual spiritual practices. Hmm. And then often they will start turning towards God at about the age of 40, hmm. you know, after they've had kids and they've witnessed the miracle that is new life. Hmm. And often when their parents die hmm. uh, and then they start reevaluating their own mortality and then they start 
yeah where they're past their hedonism of youth yeah um considering the possibility which is why that age of 40 is understood to be kind of the age of spiritual maturity yeah in religious scripture so yeah he's kind of representing many people there uh who don't want to restrain their desires and i guess i guess his argument his counter argument would be no no i'm saying i don't want to arbitrarily restrain my desires because i don't think there's an intellectual i don't think there's a reason to because i don't really believe in god mm. um you could read it that way um but the it, it comes out as the same thing mm. you know i, I i'm not gonna I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm which, not going to sacrifice Which is nonsense because myself. he actually uh, does restrain his desires hmm. on a daily basis, hmm. uh, continuously, hmm. uh, in accordance with societal norms. Hmm. So it's, uh, you know... Well, that's a good point because you actually, everyone puts themselves in some kind of moral prison. Um, and it, or, you know, by that I mean they, they channel their morals in some way. Hmm. Um, they're either making judgments that this is okay or they're making judgments that it's not okay. Either way, there's actually a decision being made. Yeah. And people will do that according to, you can do that either according to religion and based on, I actually think these are trans, this is, there's a transcendent reality and here are the transcendent morals I should follow. Or you can just ignore that and de facto basically follow, I believe in the morals of 2017 to 2024. 2024, <laughs> they might change. We'll see. <laughs> you know? It's true. Yeah. They cha they seem to be changing pretty rapidly. Yeah. 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 They're very fluid, you could say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the next bit is, is when um, Jordan Peterson then goes on and talks, talks about... Um, uh, I don't want you to, to do it arbitrarily. And he talks about submission. Like, you don't want to just submit. And in fact, he... Uh, asserts that the Judaic kind of um, mosaic, I'm just rapping, uh, <laughs> law says that you shouldn't, um, freestyle rap religion, uh, you shouldn't submit yourself kind of blindly. And in fact, it's not about submission. It's about um, covenantal, a covenantal relationship, i.e. a covenant that you have with God. And he goes on to characterize um, the relationship between Moses and God as one in which Moses dictates terms and God preposterously, <laughs> God forbid, um, accepts them. So, uh, but the essence of what he's saying there is, let's break it down into A, don't blindly submit. Um, so that's, that's one aspect of it. And two, uh, the the kind of Old Testament doesn't even tell you to submit. It's about a covenant, and he asserts yeah. that's a difference. So let's why don't you when you talk about a little bit about the blind. Well, let, let me actually say it quickly because I'll, I'll come to you for the for the second bit. Blind submission is something which um, it's according to Islam and an Islamic perspective is better than no submission <laughs> in, in some respects, right? Um, like it's it, I guess you could say it's a first step, but it should not be complete in the sense of um, you're supposed to also you know, in order to truly submit to God, you have to submit with your heart. And if you, in order to submit with your heart, you have to have a degree of love and understanding of God and his teachings. Yeah. Um, it can't just be my parents told me to, therefore I'm going to not do this and do that. Yeah. Um, so Islam never, never says go into anything with your eyes closed. It in says fact, open one, your eyes. One of the key, one of the key beauties of the Holy Quran, which was especially highlighted by the uh, Khalifa of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in today's Friday sermon, <laughs> is that the Qur'an doesn't always gives its reasoning or its commandment, which is not like previous scriptures. Hmm. So whenever the commandment's given in the Qur'an, you'll always find the reasoning given there. Hmm. So to give you a sim simple example with the, with the prohibition of alcohol, just as a thing off the top of my head, you know, um, it says that wine and games of chance, they, hmm. they are, they're, uh, they're prohibited. And the reason it gives immediately there in the verse of the Qur'an is that... Um, uh, because their harm is greater than their benefit. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, is a perfect description of what we're finding out with modern yeah. medicine today. 
yeah and and with gambling as well it's the same verse in it yep. and you know that's Absolutely. just utterly destructive we need to do a show on gambling by the way yeah, and it's absolutely. huge online gambling um and, and you know you know the quran also talks about you know submission you do submit and there's an aspect of it being it's it's about trust isn't it and even if you don't fully understand it you do trust that you that a it's good for you well, and that you'll also you come to understand it anyway with, as think, what happens on the spiritual journey what's preposterous is i mean this guy is great with personalities you know in mm. terms of personality advice and psychological and insight. psychological insight <clears throat> i mean when it gets to religion i mean it's like his intellect just completely and utterly fails him hmm. a relationship which is not with god or every relationship which is covenantal hmm. okay is fundamentally based on leverage hmm. okay it's fundamentally based on you want this from me i want this from you Mm. What exactly does the creator of the universe have that he wants from Omar Tahir or Jordan Peterson? Mm. There, is, there is nothing that man can offer God mm. to make the relationship covenantal. It is by default a relationship of utter and utter submission. Covenantal in the secular way that he's kind of in that understanding it. He's talking about it in a relational way. Yeah. Which is that you do this for me, I'll do this for, the, for you. He's talking about as, an, as a negotiated yeah, pact. as a negotiated <laughs> reciprocal yeah. arrangement whereby you you have your obligation. It's a deal. It's a, it's it's a deal, deal, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, it, it's the art of the deal, you could say, yeah. you know, the religious sense that he believes that God has certain, th but the only reason God enters, anybody would enter into a deal with somebody is if they have something that they want from the other person. Hmm. Right. So the notion that, you know, we have a covenantal relationship with God in the sense of it being a transaction hmm. is based on the idea that we have something that God wants, hmm. um, which is totally to misunderstand God and, the, the, and, essence, the, yeah. and the motivation for God creating the universe. Hmm. Um, so I think that it's a bizarre and extraordinarily egotistical way of looking at one's own place in relation to the creator of the universe. Yeah. I mean, you know, at best you are a 60 year old gentleman mm. in, a, in, in a tapestry of the universe, which goes on for 13.8 billion years. Mm. And you think that you on, on one rock out of billions of rocks mm. in, in a, you're, you're literally not to say you're a dust on the doorstep of God is, is actually to give you too much credit. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so to so to then talk about a transactional relationship with this being, yeah, who can wipe you out, is yeah, yeah. totally ridiculous. So, so he what he's doing there is he's basically drawing a distinction between the the biblical idea of a covenant, which is still a Quranic idea as well, and submission. But the Quranic the the Quranic explanation for it and the way we would understand it is that the covenant is one of submission. Well, it, well, exactly. It's actually well. Why don't you talk about where the covenant came from? I mean, he it's like he doesn't even know where the covenant came from well i mean it's 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 mostly um it's the, his, the history it's, What's the biblical it's comes history? ultimately from Hazrat, um from prophet abraham and uh you know the let's have a look at you know one of the great one of the most well-known stories and one of the most pivotal moments in his life which is when he um sacrificed or went to sacrifice well, the covenant came directly out of this event yeah where he went where he went to sacrifice or uh, was where he the, he he saw a dream essentially where he saw him sacrificing um his uh his son yeah his, own, his, his only his, son his only son Son, which according to the Bible is Ishmael and they later uh, amended it's uh, hilarious to, if, you to read Isaac, if you read it it doesn't make sense so the Bible says Isaac right it's he like you sacrifice your only son your first son is Ishmael but your only son is Isaac <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, not not the not the best from the Bible writers there um but the so he saw the stream where he's where he's supposed to sacrifice his son his only son who was Ishmael and um and he understood this as a command from God 
So he said, well, I am, you know, I, I love God and I have submitted to him, so I will do this. And he went to his son and said, this is what God has commanded me to do. And his son uh, accepted it and said, if this is God's will. And so they went up and he went to do it. He went to, to sacrifice his son and then God stopped him and essentially um, said that that was a test, that this was a trial, you have passed, um, and sacrificed a goat in place of your son. Um, and then and then the, the covenants kind of came out of that. Yeah, that but, Allah, Allah will bless you greatly because the, the very thing in which you have been willing to sacrifice, God will bless it hmm. such that it will, um, you know, you make each of his children into a nation. Yeah. Right? And... You know, the interesting thing there is that there's another verse in the Quran in particular. Now we're talking from the Quranic perspective. That mm. was that what you just said applied to the Bible or the Quran, but this from the Quranic perspective. Mm. You know, Allah says in, in I believe it's Surah Al Baqarah, but I may have got that wrong. Allah says to uh, Prophet Abraham, peace be upon him, um, submit. Mm. And he says, I've already submitted to the Lord of all the worlds. Mm. So, in other words, he had, you know, his, well, his, his condition was one of submission. Yeah. And where in that story does one get a sense of a negotiated settlement? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, <I've, laughs> you know, God said, do this. He said, okay, you know, I, I've submitted and therefore I will do it. And I'll, I'll you know, and this is his, his, his son and, and the story is so poignant, even in the biblical narrative, yeah. because it's all about how he couldn't have, he was unable, unable to have a son yeah. for so many years. And then finally, you know, uh, Hajar. God gave him a son. Yeah, God gave him a son. And it was this this great moment in his life, and then he's told, "Sacrifice your son," and then he does and it. And he does it with, without questioning. It. Yeah, you know uh, that is submission. What uh, is that other than submission? There's no negotiation there. Yeah, exactly. So, so the, and and from that comes that comes the spiritual covenant where God says, "These are my laws." You know, pre, you know, follow these and preach that others should follow them. Hmm. And the idea there is that everyone else should submit in the same way that Abraham submitted. Yeah. And from that covenant, in fact, every prophet has a covenant. The first covenant was with a prophet Adam in our beliefs. Yeah. Um, and that, that covenant is recognize your God, submit to God and uh, live your life in this way. And he'll give you a spiritual relationship and um, blessings in this life and the next. Yeah. But you um, don't, but you know, as you're absolutely right, the covenant comes into application after your submission. Hmm. It's not that, and, and the covenant is something that God binds him upon himself. Yeah, but he, there's no actual, there's nothing, there's nothing binding apart from his own will and his own yeah, word. Exactly. So it's not like you're forcing him into something. Yeah, exactly. So you have no leverage. It's actually God's <laughs> grace that he will, exactly. that he will reward you much more than you deserve yeah. because you have chosen to enter this yeah, well, people, uh, into submission into him. And, and I'll just say, you know, there's that beautiful verse of the Quran, which sums this up where, um, where we're taught to say, and I, I believe this is prayer of Abraham, isn't it? That, my life and my death and my prayer and no, my no, the Prophet Muhammad. The Prophet Muhammad is taught, told to say oh, okay, to fine. the people. Uh, that my life, my death, my prayer and my sacrifice are all for Allah, the Lord of all the worlds. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, the Lord of all the worlds also, you know, you could understand it as hinting towards that this is something, a teaching which has come for, to, to all the nations. Yeah. I, I, and also it aspect covers all aspects of your life. So, I mean, I think that it's so, um, you know, it's so brazenly... It's so brazen egotistical. Hmm. And it just kind of shows that, you know, Jordan Peterson Fuller's fantastic intellect. You know, it, it, this attitude is particularly seen amongst the intellectual, hmm. you know, because actually their intellect raises them so far above 
the hoi polloi <laughs> that they the common man that they you know no they, we should do this in latin <laughs> <laughs> that they basically see themselves as canis as yes. as having <laughs> canis <laughs> and that they see themselves as having like a a right upon mm. god mm. well really they've got no rights on god mm. uh, and and i want to go back to what you said there which is that you know, if God then, you know, says, oh, you know, he, he will do this and this and this for you. Hmm. That's actually to incentivize man as yeah. a grace from himself. Yeah. It's perfectly reasonable for God to simply say, do this. You get nothing. Yeah. Because this, this is why you've been, this is your because, purpose. <laughs> because, because it's your purpose and I created you. And you don't have any right on me. Hmm. Right. If God, for example, said to people on the day of judgment, all right, um, you're going to hell. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to reward you for any of your good deeds you did for my sake. You're going to hell. Yeah. All right. He actually has the full right to do so. Mm. Right. He makes it binding upon himself that he does not because mm. his other attributes, but from the standpoint and the perspective of his Malikiyat, of his perfect ownership of all things. Mastership. Yeah. Mastership. Nobody has a right against God. God created you in the first place. And, and could you, could could we say that this is the um, this is the heart of his misunderstanding, in the sense that I think it's a spiritual thing, like you've spoken about. But if we were to be uh, generous and deal with it in a purely intellectual way, um, he, maybe he's seeing it as I give myself to you. Um, and I give you these things, i.e. I sacrifice my desires for, for you, for God, and God gives me nice things in return. Is that where he's seeing the transactional relationship without realizing that this is, this is just God out of his grace giving it to you and it's not binding on him, but he, him being, um, being beneficent yeah. chooses to give you these things when he has no, when there's, when there's nothing that you can do to force him, what are you going to do? Die? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's basically the only move humans have, isn't it? <laughs> Ultimately in the scheme of things. Um, so it's, so it's, 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 and God's then we grace. return to God. So yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a profound misunderstanding of, 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 uh, of what religion is uh, and ultimate, you know, it's, and I, I wonder if the way, the way we're describing this, it does sound like something which is, uh, kind of why would you do that why would you submit yourself to to god what benefit you know that just seems like you're 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 dying so what would you say to that that kind of feeling of well i'm not going to do that's horrible like what what do you what's what's in it for people let's 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 look at it from that perspective that's very simple i mean if you could choose to be the best friend of elon musk <laughs> Who would who would want to be the best friend of Elon Musk? Like the not just the but the bosom friend. Like he loves you, he takes care of you. <laughs> there's nothing you could do to displease the man. Like you know, he really loves you. Mm. Who who would want that? Lots of people. Lots of people would die to have a friend like that. Mm. Right? And he has what? He has ten. Lots of people do in a way. Yeah, they spend people. all their life trying to get to the top. Yeah, absolutely. And their Elon Musk might be their boss or their boss's boss or the CEO of this company or you know, um, you know, or some he, private school trying to get some, into the Conservative Party or the Labour Party. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, so there's loads and loads of. So you know, the reality is, is that this idea that we are free from God, mm. like constant kissing, is it? Yes. Yeah. So constant kissing said, like, you know, I don't want to submit myself to an arbitrary rigid structure you are in an arbitrary rigid structure mm. and you just replaced one set of gods for another set one god for, an, for another set of god and, and the islamic perspective is that you can either be the servant of the being who brought all creation into existence yeah and submit to that one being or you can submit to innumerable beings in your life mm. who are all human and unworthy of your worship mm. and, and it's actually <clears throat> 
a wonderful compliment that God pays human beings, mm. if you think about it. It's a wonderful compliment God pays human beings where he says that I am only worthy of worship, mm. right? That's also a commentary upon the nature of humans, right? Which is that you are a being which is sentient and you are you are capable of conceiving God yeah. and having some form of a relationship with God mm. by which you should only hold God to be your target. Don't let worldly things yeah. of a temporary and meaningless and fragile nature mm. be the focus of your of your attention and your worship, mm. right? Of your dedication, love, and following, okay? Make that only that being who has no superior. Yeah. That's an extraordinary compliment. Mm. That's an extraordinary opportunity to to say, no, I don't want to be the servant and the beloved one of the one who created the whole of the universe. And instead, mm. I want to be tied to this guy. And then when I lose that job, I'll be tied to that guy. And when I lose that job, I'll be trying to curry favor with that individual. Mm. I mean, so so it's natural that you will, you know, in terms of what's in it for people, well, what's in it for people is that you'll be best friends with the creator of the universe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, if you don't understand that, then you don't... Have so whatever, even if you're looking at this life, whatever whatever you want, ultimately, it's going to be controlled by the ultimate creator. So if you've got a, you've got a direct line to the boss, then then use it. Yeah, but right. the thing is, people don't believe it. And God is saying, here's my number. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah literally. But the thing is, people don't believe it. Like, ah, come on. What do you take me for? Paul. No, I'll go with Jeff over there. <laughs> Jeff's got a really nice car. Yeah. <laughs> he might let me in his car one day. I think he knows the owner of the, uh, the garage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what you were saying there also reminded me of the, the verse in the first chapter of the Quran, which is, uh, you know, thee alone do we worship and thee alone do we implore for help. And that actually gives a profound insight into what is it that we really worship, and that which we worship is that which we implore for help. Like, what do we what do we go to for mm. our salvation? What do we go go to for seeking help, for seeking some kind of benefit in our life? That thing becomes our God. And for the believer, it is always go straight to God. Yeah. And if you go to anyone else, understand them as a kind of temporary deputy of God, but ultimately, even they are under the control of the of the Lord. Well, you, you yeah, I mean, you you should. You, you, even then you seek help within what is permissible in the Sharia yeah. and in a manner which is permis permissible yeah. within the teachings of God. And, and can I just say one last thing which uh, the verses reminded me of, because uh, you're saying there that we are in the structure of God, whether you like it or not. So it's just, it's a question of, do you submit? I mean, if you, if you decide that there is a God or there could be a God, hmm. then you're, you're opening the possibility that you are in the structure of God. So then it's a question of, do you, do you just accept the game that you're playing? if you had to put it that crudely and accept that there are rules that you need to, to, to go by and that, you, you know, the, the rewards after are, are huge or do you, are you in denial about it? And it reminded me of this verse of the Quran, which in a different context, but it says that, you know, uh, God spoke to the heavens when they were like something like smoke and said, um, uh, and he said, come, uh, come ye willingly or unwillingly. And the heavens in that state said, we come willingly. And I've always wondered, is it that, you know, nature and things without the degree of free will that we have, they kind of come come willingly in a sense. But humans come unwillingly. You know, if they if they reject God, they still come because they're still in the structure yeah. of God, and they still ultimately have to submit to all of God's decrees. Yeah, they ultimately die. They, they ultimately do, they, well, even phys in the physical reality, they got they submit to physical to God's physical decrees, and if they um, don't obey the spiritual decrees here, they will have to obey them in the next life. Yeah. So they still come, but yeah. they come unwillingly.
Yeah. So it's that that's that those are your two options. Do you come willingly or unwillingly? <laughs> that that's the options humans have. Yeah. Now obviously in that sense we'll come willingly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like the only smart choice. Yeah. Um okay, so let's carry on. And that's the apocalypse, I suppose. And Moses is constantly interceding on their behalf and telling God he shouldn't break his word. And the odd thing in the story is that God actually listens, which is rather preposterous, but but the reason that's happening is to mitigate against exactly the problem that you described, which is to have the relationship with the transcendent degenerate into nothing but a blind obedience. And then the danger of that is, well, a blind obedience to who? And I, I see this as a threat in Islam, in the more fundamentalist forms of Islam. It's like, well, you should submit to Allah. It's like, hey, fair enough. Allah as interpreted by who? Oh, uh, totalitarian misogynistic mullahs. How about no? I, I don't buy your Allah, and well, I don't why? see who made you the, the right precise. And even okay, if I so believed in problem. the bearded guy in the sky, I'm not sure I need a middleman to talk to him, right? Well, that makes you a good Protestant. <laughs> he he talks there about. Um, actually, why don't you sum it up? Yeah, I mean, so he talks there about. Um, you're always better at summing up than I am. <laughs> let me give it a go. So he talks there about basically... Well, my, my mind just went immediately blank after that last bit. <laughs> I was just about Moses. There are two main things. Yeah, yeah, so there are two main things that he says that there has to be um, the problem with... Uh, blind a, obedience. A, a blind obedience. Not blind obedience, but with the problem with the concept of submission rather mm. than a relational you know, thing, a transaction between God and yourself. Yeah. Um, is that you have... Uh, th then the question becomes, how do you submit to God? Because you can't submit to God directly. You submit to the interpretations of God's will, which is done by men. Hmm. And those interpretations are done by, in the case of fundamentalist Islam, he describes it as totalitarian misogynistic mullahs. Hmm. How about no? Is what he <laughs> says in response to that. Um, and then Constantine brings in the question of, and even if I believed in that, in the concept of the bearded man, yeah. in other words, God, you know, why would I want a middleman? Okay, so for so that, there's two different things. Yeah, there. so for that first aspect, is there any um, merit in what he's saying? Is he partly right when he's talking about the mullahs and the interpretation of of God? Is there is there a way you could say that he's that there's 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 no doubt there's that you know religious religion you know at the end of the anything that is uh, enables. Uh, it can be used to obtain power over other human beings is weaponized by human beings for that purpose. Hmm. So when we went to war in Iraq, hmm. it was, we're going to go and do it for democracy. Yeah. In the name of, uh, in the name of democracy. Uh, democracy. Yeah. yeah. In the name of democracy. Um, although, you know, Tony Blair did say that he and Bush were doing it for the, you know, because they believe God wanted them to as well. So hmm. there was that aspect of it as well. But, you know, every in every religion, peop, the people are manipulated by, not in every religion, in every society, people are manipulated by what they hold to be the highest... Um, ideal. Ideal. Hmm. Um, and and, and, and uh, so if in, in today's society, you know, in England, we don't really believe in God, most people. So there's no, there's no meaning to saying we're going to go over there to civilize the Iraqis because God wants us to, because everybody's like, well, that doesn't appeal to us. You know, what we do it by is that through democracy, through freedom. Hmm. Okay. Uh, but in, in, in uh, more religious societies where people believe in God, it is God who is appealed to, to hmm. push policies through, etc. Right. So, 
that's a social that's a social phenomenon hmm. that's not a religious phenomenon it's a social phenomenon which applies not only to the religious world but also to the secular world yeah okay because in any society people will appeal to those ideals that are held to be the highest okay in our western society freedom and individual freedom is held to be the highest and so often the justification for war is that these other people they're having their freedoms denied to them hmm. and we must provide them with those freedoms hmm. okay so that does that mean that the concept of individual liberty is an evil thing of course not, right? It just means, but millions of people died in its name. But millions of people died in that process. So, you know, that's what I would say to that. It's a social phenomenon, not a religious phenomenon. He's making out like actually Islam teaches, mm. and this is the hilarious thing about this clip, is he doesn't seem to have any notion of what Islam actually is about. Mm. Because Islam, out of all of the religions, is the only one that does not have a, 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 a designated clergy. Mm. It's the only one where you can literally... Have the Quran, read it yourself, and have a direct relationship with God. Mm. You know, in Catholicism, you go to the church, you confess to the priest. Mm. In Christianity, as you mentioned to me before the before we started, the whole concept of it is there's some uh, it's uh, middle management. It's middle management. <laughs> It's middle management. You know, it's it's a man who was also God, died for your sins, and you have to believe in him, mm. right? And him taking your sins, otherwise you were damned to hell forever. You know, Whoso believes in whoso believes in Allah and the last day and does good deeds from amongst the Jews and the Christians and the Sabians, which is other other religious revealed scriptures. Yeah. Um, whoso among these believes in Allah and does and the last day and does good deeds, yeah. on them shall come no fear nor shall they grieve. Hmm. So Islam explicitly states that if you belong to another religion, but you adhere to the core tenets of Islam which were original to your own faith, yeah. and you do good deeds for that sake, and those two core tenets are belief in the one God and belief in the day of accountability. God says that God will account you to be a Muslim, one who submitted to him, even though you may call yourself a Jew or Christian or a Savian. Yeah. Right? So, you know, Islam has a very kind of, you know, wide lens with which it looks at the universe and yeah. which God looks at man, which is totally opposite of totalitarian. Yeah. And there is no clergy for you to, inter that, that you go to yeah. Right. Um, so, for example, in Catholicism, you pray to the to Mary, and you ask her to pray to God for you. Yeah. You pray to the saints. You ask them to pray to God for you to intercede on your behalf. Mm. In Islam, if you do that, you're outside the fold of Islam. It's the exact opposite of what he's saying, mm. but he gets away with it because nobody has any knowledge of religion these days. They're all religiously illiterate, including, unfortunately, Peterson. In, I mean, including well, Peterson, Constantine, completely religiously illiterate, illiterate. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, and they sit there as if they're like really, at, you know, intelligent armchair. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, we're very intellectual. Very. Uh, <laughs> I have a clue what you're talking about, man. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, Islam is pray, pray to God, um, and Christianity is. Uh, you, you can pray, uh, <laughs> but what you really want to do is you want to believe that Jesus died for your sins. Yeah. And if you don't believe that, then that's really bad. Doesn't matter how much you pray to the Doesn't Father. matter how much you pray, you're doomed to eternal hell. And if you do believe that, doesn't matter if you pray, you're good. Yeah. Right. So basically your entire spiritual journey was decided upon your, your belief in an event 2000 years ago. Um, Profound, profound middle management, as you yeah. Call. I mean, and 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 has, there's no there's no obvious direct bearing on on what that belief belief in that event has on your own soul, your own spiritual purification, your own kind of uh, uh, morals. Um, I mean, that is the definition of a middleman. Yeah. Uh, that the Christians have asserted that we don't think that Jesus, peace be upon him, himself, actually taught that at all. Yeah. Um, 
Now, the the counter argument to this would be, no, no, there is a middleman. And what we're talking about is why do I have to believe in the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him? Why did, you know, even even if you extend it, why do you have to believe in Prophet Moses? Why do you have to believe in these people? Let's take the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And, you know, you have to believe in him in order to get to God. Well, that is a middleman. So what do you say to that? Well, in a sense, your, it's the, your belief in him is not primary in Islam. Your, be- your belief in him is because you believe in what he brought is true. Mm-hmm. And therefore he must be true. Mm-hmm. So you follow him as an example of how to be. Yeah, so he demonstrated. Yeah, he demonstrates. You follow his example. Mm-hmm. But you don't believe that he will, for example, intercede for you, uh, that you can do whatever you want in life, and he will act as your middleman. So he said, for example, to his own daughter, Fatima, mm-hmm. be, uh, may Allah be pleased with her, that... I will not be able to save you on the day of resurrection you know, mm. if God has determined that you are going to be, you know, hellbound, right? You know, you will not benefit by being my daughter. Yeah. Right? So if his and, own daughter will not mm. benefit from that, right? No, nobody else can ha- has a hope in hell in yeah. the sense that... <laughs> wow, now we, now we understand where that phrase come from. <laughs> well, no, in the sense that you, you, you may benefit from his intercession with God. Yeah. That is not the same as a middleman, right? Mm. Because even that only it is only the case because God has permitted it. Yeah, right. But it's not the normal religious course either. It's- uh, well, well, no, 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 no. It, it, <coughs> the intercession of a prophet is not. But that's a separate religious concept. Yeah. Um, it's not that you get in because of the actions of hit of his actions. Yeah, because you know the Quran teaches that permission for um, God's acceptance of the prayers of somebody on another behalf of another is because that person also has some relationship of goodness of similarity with the Prophet Muhammad. Mm. So it's that you are actually good. It's that you are actually have some similarity to the Prophet Muhammad. Yeah, that you are following. You followed his example to some extent. Yeah, but you had some deficiencies. And now the Prophet pleads on your behalf. Yes. Uh, (coughs) Sorry. But the the, but the the kind of the the whole spiritual law that prophets give and the whole idea of religion is, um, they have come to demonstrate the signs that God does exist and that this is how you have a relationship with God. You follow these moral and spiritual laws, and you too can have a relationship with God. In fact, go and pray in your own homes in the morning yourself yeah. Yeah. to God, which the prophet, the caliph, won't directly know about unless God tells them. Right. These, this is you. This is the whole, the whole religion as Islam conceives it is your personal relationship with God. But you develop that by following the example, as you said, hmm. of the prophets. So it's not a middleman in the sense that your relationship um, is with the prophet per se. And then his relationship is with God. No, he shows you how to get to God. Uh, but obviously your love for the prophet is something which will immerse you deeper in your relationship with God as well. Yeah, because you'll follow him more. You'll follow him better. Right. Yes. Yeah. And the best example of this, I think, is the fact that there are verses of the Quran which talk about the hypocrites. Hmm. So people who outwardly appear to follow Islam, but hmm. inwardly they uh, do not. Yeah. Okay. Now they shouldn't exist as a class. Yeah. Right. Because so turned into bad men. <laughs> they shouldn't exist as a class because you know if it's true that Islam is a religion of middlemen. Because if you adhere to the teachings, you call yourself a Muslim, you nominally take the, the Muhammad as your uh, prophet, yeah. that should be enough. Which is the case in Christianity. Which, which is the case <laughs> in Christianity. As long as you do that with the, you know, as Paul says, with the, you know, profess with your tongue that, he, that you are, that Jesus died for your sins and you'll be saved. Mm. So 
But with Islam, the whole category of hypocrites that exists, you know, it's one of the three defined types of people in the second chapter of the Quran, right at the beginning of it. And yeah. throughout the book, there's a whole chapter called Al-Munafiqun, you know, yeah. the, the hypocrites, the Surat Al-Nisa. It's all about hypocrites, right? A lot of mm. it is. So there's there's a whole concept of the idea of people who subscribe outwardly to something but are not inwardly that thing. Yeah. And the Quran even talks about them. It says that, you know, they they... You know, they, they behave in a particular way that you may love them. But even if you love them, O Muhammad, God will not love them. Yeah. And what that shows is, is that there's no fooling God. Yeah. There's no middle management in Islam, right? You have to have a direct relationship with God. It can't be that you please Muhammad and therefore you will go to paradise, mm. right? You have to please God. Yeah. You know, and this yeah, is yeah. one of the things that says in the Quran, one of the characteristics of the hypocrites is the... Um, in Surah Al-Ma'un, that they they start they 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 pray that they may be seen of men, yeah, right. That they they pray in a manner that they may be seen of other human beings, yeah. But God will not be pleased with their hypocritical prayer that's just done for show, yeah. Yeah, very good answer. Uh, I, I, so let's let's briefly sum that up. What we're saying is that Peterson is um, asserting. Wrong. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. But Peterson is saying that. Um, you know, in Islam, you have this, I'm worried about the mullahs and their conception of God. What you've pointed out very ably is that, well, these are social phenomena. Yes, ruling classes in, in religious societies, i.e. the political, the polit basically a political ruling class in a sense, they will, they will twist religion because religion is the social currency. But that's not what the teachings of Islam say. And the teachings of Islam completely go against this, you know, uh, assertion and allegation of, of having a middleman. It's about having a direct relationship with God, but following the example of the prophets. Yes. Um, and that is contrary to Christianity, where you literally have a middleman. Your salvation is dependent upon Jesus, who is the middleman between you and God the Father. Yeah. So, so the the whole and criticism... In fact, in fact, God the Father's relationship with human beings is dependent upon God the Son as well. You provided a, you know, a nice get-out clause for God to get out of this terrible predicament he'd created of original sin. <laughs> yes, and deciding not to forgive anybody and punishing everything. But so, also, oh, what should I do? Oh, but I send my for a son few, for, for a few thousand thousand years between yeah. Adam and Jesus yeah. appeared to also just follow normal spiritual laws and forgiveness. Yeah, but that's a story for another day. Um, okay, well, I think that that brings to a close what we've been talking about with Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Would you like to go on to the no, latest? No, I think bit? we could probably leave it for another video as cool. well. We've, I think we've covered plenty in this topic to show that Peterson, unfortunately, has no clue what he's talking about when it comes to religion. Yeah, that is sadly true. Um, but Jordan Peterson, we'd love to interview you whenever you're free. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs>